This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Front Row on the Bigger Picture, and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. Um, there's no denying that 2020 has had a huge impact on so many fields, and the visual arts is definitely one of them. Now, I have some amount of insight into the happenings here in Malaysia, but I have been quite curious to hear about what this year has been like for the rest of um, Southeast Asia. And so I have with me someone who has had, I suppose, quite a bit of experience in the visual arts field in the region, uh, Joining me today is Patrick Flores, who is a professor of art studies in the University of the Philippines. Um, he's also curator of the Vargas Museum in Manila. He was also artistic director of last year's Singapore Biennale and has curated exhibits at, among others, the Venice Biennale and the Guangzhou Biennale. And we're lucky enough to have Patrick with us today because he's also one of the featured speakers at the Gallery Weekend Kuala Lumpur, and that's happening uh, online starting this weekend from the 26th of November to the 6th of December. Thank you for joining me, Patrick, via Zoom, I have to say. Yeah, thank you, Sharmila, for having me on your show and for, you know, having me here, uh, meeting you virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been the coda of this year, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, um, but but I think that's a great entry point into just a little brief idea of how work has been for you this year. You know, what has changed? What have been the challenges? The uh, the Philippines has had uh, one of the longest lockdowns in in the world. No? So we've been in in quarantine since March, and the uh, measures have been relaxed. Uh, uh, bit by bit, but still, uh, movement is quite constrained. And so my work at the museum has modified quite uh, drastically. So we have had to migrate our programs online. And I think that's uh, a default records for many of my peers in, in the museum field. So there was this migration, but uh, as in all migrations, uh, migrants have you know, need time to settle in <laughs> and to <laughs> familiarize themselves with the new environment. So uh, that took quite a while for uh, the staff to get used to, to uh, also calibrate uh, some of the programs to become, you know, more hospitable to the uh, new platforms uh, in social media. But that's a quite a learning experience for us. And that was, a, I think, um, an important prompt to, to shift directions uh, in a time of uh, crisis. I do want to get back to talking about, um, you know, COVID particularly and how that's shaping our arts industry as we move forward. But um, before we do that, um, one thing I realized, you know, particularly when it comes to Southeast Asian art, and, and I, I mentioned that a little bit in the beginning, we tend to operate in in a sort of weird silo, I feel, in Southeast Asia, where there are lots of things happening in different parts of the, the region. However, a lot of the work, a lot of the um, thinking tends to be very inward focused. Um, are we at a point now where we can start defining what a Southeast Asian artistic identity is? Yeah, that's a, that's a question that always comes up in, in many of my conversations with within the field and also outside of the field. And it's a, a tough question, a difficult one. 
and I always answer by by saying that we I think need to unpack that question a bit no? and find out why we have to ask it. I mean, what's the basis of the desire and also the demand for for that question to be asked? Like, why do we need some kind of identity to like consolidate a, a, a region called Southeast Asia? But on having said that, it's also important, I think, to keep that question and to keep on asking that question as, as part of the process of uh, finding our coordinates within within our place in the world and across and beyond. No? So it's a productive, uh, if not uh, unnerving question, but mm. I think it's, it's important to keep it and to speak to it as we practice what we do. Mm. No? So it's not as if there's this definition at the outset that will just determine what we do. It is what we do that should define uh, what it is we mean by by uh, this thing called Southeast Asian identity. Mm. So I, I think I, I, I approach the question from that perspective. Uh, I, do, I cannot give a conclusive or definitive answer to that. It's more a um, an invitation to process the question. And in processing the question, uh, create a kind of practice that speaks to that question and also at some point transcend it. No? Mm. I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, that's how I, I, I see that question playing out productively. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, and I think that you're, you're right to question it as well, because we are talking about a region that's incredibly diverse. Mm-hmm. And I suppose the, the closest comparison or model, and perhaps that would give a little bit of insight into why there's a tendency to want to think that way, is to perhaps look at Europe as a, as a, as a sort of, um, you know, there is such a thing as a European history or some sort of cohesion in some sense. Um, but is there a value in thinking of contemporary art in this way when in, when it comes to Southeast Asia? Yeah, that's another, I mean, if one would like choreograph, <laughs> uh, on the one hand, there's desire and demand for regionality on and on the other, this desire and demand for the contemporary. So they are not like perfectly aligned. And there is tension when they come in contact. No? Mm-hmm. So that tension for me is productive as well. And we have to keep it not to, you know, uh, resolve it. No? It is part of this playing out. No? So if, if it's, I mean, if you think of the issues or discourse around the contemporary, those discourses might, resist this uh, instinct to define a region. No? And uh, on the other hand, if one were to insist on some standardization based on the region, that demand would resist this, the fluidity and the unpredictability that the uh, contemporary so requires. No? So this is a tension that uh, I think is generative, and should be part of the uh, process. No? So, mm-hmm. but one could say, or what, I mean, in social, in the, in the field of social sciences or historiography, anthropology, what, one could point to some entry points into a shared ground or some kind of common ground as 
as some kind of trajectory into this region, which can also be very productive if seen, you know, in in a complex way. So one could look at, for instance, um, the ecological milieu of like archipelagos mm. and forests, water systems. No? So this, I mean, these ecological aspects could be, of course, our material, natural variables. But they could also be tropes, tropes for like fluidity, exchange, density. No? So then one could point to this uh, like common aspects in, in the region. One could also look at uh, animism. One could look at uh, a shared colonial experience across the region and uh, the uh, processes that went with it, like mm. westernization or Christianization or Islamization. And one could also look at great traditions of China and India no, mm. as, as some defining aspects. So, so you have some like symptoms of commonality to, to, to diagnose in search of this uh, calibrated commonality that might spell out some common ground. It does strike me from a purely practical point of view, um, especially when I speak to artists, though, um, that where we can see a sort of direct benefit is when it comes to question of uh, resource sharing or knowledge sharing or creating networks and, and modes of operating, of exhibiting, which are shared rather than the practice itself. Yeah, and uh, more and more, Sharmila, Artists are connected laterally, no? mm. not really uh, top-down or through uh, nation-state uh, institutions. No? So this is, I think, a, uh, a good sign that certain geopolitical arrangements in the past are being bypassed through peer-to-peer uh, -peer exchange, like lateral interactions uh, between curators, for instance, or between spaces that are artist-initiated or community-based. So these networks are emergent, mm. and uh, they tend—they're not beholden to uh, like previous modernities or are wedded to obsessions like identity. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, from these practices, we can get a sense of a different, you know, a different conception of what it means to be in the same place together. Mm -hmm. uh, a sense that need not be reduced to identity, although also not totally independent of it. So it's, it's a more complex relationship with, you know, with this desire for, for identity. So it's more nuanced, more uh, complicated, uh, less predictable, mm. yeah, and less programmatic. 
So we do need to take a quick break, but um, I want to get into relating some of these things that we've been talking about with your own experiences working in the region. Um, I am speaking with Patrick Flores, who is a curator. He's also a professor of art studies at the University of the Philippines. And uh, we're just trying to um, get a sense of where Southeast Asian art is today, uh, trying to unpack what this year has been like for the region. Um, He's also one of the speakers featured in the Gallery Weekend Kuala Lumpur, and that's happening online from the 26th of November to the 6th of December. We'll be back after a short break. You're listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. I'm speaking with Patrick Flores, who is a curator, a professor of art studies at the University of the Philippines. Um, He's also one of the speakers featured in the Gallery Weekend Kuala Lumpur that's happening online from the 26th of November to the 6th of December. So it's starting this weekend. Um, And Patrick, uh, one of the things that you did most recently was you served as the artistic director for the Singapore Biennale last year. And I thought that would be quite an interesting way to talk about some of the issues we brought up in the first part of the show. This idea of representing something um, because one of the things that Singapore Biennale prides itself on doing is speaking for this region. Um, wow. It does have exhibits from all over the world, but it is it is a Southeast Asian Biennale. Going in, thinking about what you wanted to show, how did that idea, that umbrella of Southeast Asia inform what you wanted the, the Biennale to be? Yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's a good question. Uh, Singapore has invested so much in uh, being some kind of a leader in in the region uh, insofar as Southeast Asian art history and contemporary art are concerned. And uh, the Biennale speaks to it. Although I might say that the first two iterations of the Biennale were not uh, exclusively focused on Southeast Asia. Mm, That's right, yes. It was only after the second one that they tried to tighten the focus on Southeast Asia. So I thought that would that would continue, and I was quite surprised, pleasantly so, that the um, organizers told me that you don't have to 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 exclusively focus on Southeast Asia. So that was kind of uh, a, a good release from this idea of the region as mm-hmm. a determining factor in curating a contemporary art exhibition. But on the other hand, I also wanted to keep the focus. Um, a certain critical mass of art from the region, I thought, was productive uh, because no one would do it for us. Venice mm. uh, won't do it for us. The Comenta won't do it for us. So I think it's important to also assert uh, a certain level of confidence that the, the Biennale uh, can speak to the to the region in a complex or nuanced way. So uh, I told myself that maybe 30 to 40% can still be assigned to Southeast Asian art, broadly conceived, meaning that it is Southeast Asian art that goes beyond the nation state, for instance, or Southeast Asian art that is also very rooted in locality uh, that cannot be um, solely... uh, accounted for by governments. No? So uh, I wanted to broaden the notion of what it means to be Southeast Asian. So there was art that was diasporic, migrant, uh, for instance, uh, but there was also art that's very 
rooted in communities away from, let us say, capital cities. So um, I conceived of an extensive locality uh, that for me foiled this uh, notion of nation or notion of region that was mainly based on uh, nation states. Mm. So I tried to extend a bit um, this notion of Southeast Asia through, again, the ecological context. I looked at the map of Southeast Asia and and one, of course, would notice that it is surrounded by water. So yeah. these bodies of water extend or open up to a larger universe through the South China Sea, the Indian Ocean, and the Pacific. So I told the curators um, I was working with to extend Southeast Asia through something that is part of it, uh, so that the expansion won't be so random and won't play into this, you know, globalization without mm. context, no? So uh, those bodies of water uh, extend quite naturally uh, to a, like, a vaster, <laughs> vaster sphere uh, through trade, uh, and other forms of contact. No? So that was the, uh, that was the uh, method of extension mm-hmm. uh, to, to release Southeast Asia from a certain idea of the region, but without losing the, the rootedness in the ecological context. Mm. I was struck by what you said earlier about this idea that if we don't do it for ourselves, we can't rely on others to do it. However, it also strikes me that because so much of what we think of as um, contemporary art is shaped by traditions from the West, um, how easy is this to do? How easy is it for us in places like Southeast Asia to think of what contemporary art might mean within our own context? Yeah, the idea of, of the Western is uh, some kind of a specter that always hovers around <laughs> the question of identity, especially when one tries to engage with this conflict between, supposed conflict between uh, tradition and change. No? Usually that is framed within a, a binarism. The tradition pertains to the local or the national, while change pertains to the modern mm. and uh, the global or the contemporary. But I think we have to transcend that. But uh, one has to go through it uh, and sort it out um, at some third level no? beyond the, <laughs> the binarism. So the, the Western is uh, very com- complex and complicated. One cannot just move away from it easily because it has been so interwoven with uh, what we perceive as the modern or even the local or even the everyday. It's not like uh, something alien Mm. uh, to to what we are. But at the same time, it also has had alienating effects, Uh, within the culture. Uh, And I think that's very obvious. 
in the conduct of colonialism. So one has to deal with it in a, in a more complex way that uh, the Western should not be seen as uh, like a diametrical opposite from what is pure or authentic or pristine. No? So I think the more we are able to transcend that, those um, idealizations or typifications of what is the local and what is the not local, I think the better for us to understand the complexity of the process of contact and also of transfer and also of rearticulation. Mm. Uh, because, uh, you know, we've never been passive receivers of uh, things from outside. No? We always mediate, we always translate, we articulate, and we refunction them into something that may not be recognizable to the source or to the origin, right? And also, may also be not recognizable to what we thought was authentic or our very own. Mm. So it's a different thing altogether. And I think there is integrity in that. There is also distinction that can be harnessed. I remember attending one of the Singapore Biennales, actually. It was, if I'm not mistaken, one of the years where there was a very strong Southeast Asian focus. And um, it was interesting because the art critics or writers from the West, from Europe, um, they seem to struggle with the fact that um, some of the works, so they, they said, oh, some of these works that are being presented, they are folk art. They're not contemporary art. Um, And for me, it was really interesting because coming from Southeast Asia, to me, it absolutely seemed to be engaging with the contemporary. Since that experience, I often think about that line between the contemporary and the traditional or the folk and how in places like Asia, that line tends to be a lot more uh, porous in some ways. Mm. How does this maybe redefine or, or reimagine the ways that contemporary art is in Southeast Asia. Yeah, that's uh, it's a curatorial issue. Mm. How does one uh, curate a contemporary exhibition in relation to living traditions and uh, customary forms mm. of craft or expression? No? Because definitely they are part of contemporary life. Whether we assign the category art to them or not, is uh, nothing natural. No, it's, it's, a, it's a decision and also a position uh, that has consequences uh, politically and also aesthetically. No? So the curator finds himself or herself engaging with that opportunity to stage that tension. Uh, between the naming of things as contemporary art and also the resistance of certain institutions. Mm. No? And many, many curators uh, take up that challenge no? to invite discussion. No? Curatorial initiatives are not supposed to like resolve issues in exhibitions. They're meant to be opportunities for discussion, conversations, and uh, hopefully deliberations on very important issues uh, 
about art and contemporary life. So uh, it's it's a, a productive for me productive condition as a way to resist the norm of uh, exhibitionary practice and also institutional choices. Mm. But this is also quite difficult, no? And it's not also as easy as it, it looks. One has to be patient with the, the process of sorting out agencies, meaning uh, how does one engage with uh, like communities that are not part of the art world? Does the curator merely assimilate them mm. into the art world? So how, how do they engage with, with the art world? And how are they represented? So this is also quite a tricky question. While one wants to include these communities, one also has to be patient about the, the methods of inclusion and the terms of inclusion. And uh, that they should be part of the conversation when they are, when they are in, in included or assimilated into this metabolism <laughs> of contemporary art. Otherwise, they become... They, they are objectified too. Mm, that's uh, right. Yeah, so, and they are like, um, and the process or procedure affirms this uh, hyperflexibility of the contemporary. It, it just uh, validates the uh, ability of the contemporary to extract locality whenever it is interesting or maybe whenever it is uh, important for for its own survival yeah a, a question of the unequal power correct and it's difficult and there is no playbook mm. or manual of operations <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> for the curator to follow yes yeah. Yeah. um but speaking of what would you say are uh, the the most interesting or exciting trends or movements that are currently happening in the Southeast Asian art scene? Oh, yeah, there are, there's quite a lot. And uh, it's also difficult to survey now. Before it was easier to survey because you would know where to look. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but now, you know, everything is, um, I mean, like artist-generated, self-managed, self-governed, mm. no? and not definitely not exclusively dependent on traditional institutions, uh, traditional gatekeepers, and so on and so forth. So it's, it's difficult where to look for uh, emergent culture. But I, I noticed that there is, so this is one feature, a strong solidarity or network of uh, artist-generated spaces that are not strictly governed by like, art world uh, requirements. No? So that's one. So they produce, this, the artists who are part of that network produce uh, very idiosyncratic forms, mm. no? uh, responsive to whatever milieu they are in, whether community or the digital world mm-hmm. or even political movements. So that's one. 
The second is there is a strong inclination to do research and archival work to inform a contemporary expression. And also the presentation. Uh, the presentation of forms is a bit dispersed in the exhibition space. Mm-hmm. So you have a drawing here and mm-hmm. maybe a document there and maybe some kind of found object. I mean, that kind of dispersion, I think, speaks to the uh, trajectory of sources uh, that informs the, the intelligence. No? That's another one. A third one might be uh, a response to a planetary crisis. Very important. No? Yes, yes. Uh, so this, there's ecological politics and also uh, a, uh, a revisit of animism mm. uh, in, in, in its various forms. Which in themselves are related, are they not? Ecology and animism. Correct. In the awareness of an interspecies world, uh, the artist is led to an investigation into other life forms, uh, their substances, other spirits that uh, that inhabit uh, the same space that that we that we are in. No? So that's another one. And maybe finally, a uh, a different take on the political, no? where before the political translated largely into ideological form, like uh, critique of capitalism, maybe or uh, critique of dominant systems through certain ideologies like socialism and so on and so forth. But now there is a great deal of of process involved in uh, trying to investigate what it means to be political Mm. uh, today. And trying to, I, I suppose, resist certain like ideological um, uh, like prefabrications na? in favor of uh, dialogues, uh, uh, community making, uh, solidarities with movements and so on and so forth. So this notion of the political, I think, uh, has informed the production of uh, interesting, interesting forms in, mm. in Southeast Asia. Yeah. How do you think the pandemic has uh, shaped or is going to change this current uh, trajectory that the Southeast Asian visual arts scene has been on beyond just a question of economics? Because we often, that's what, that's the most immediate concern. We are talking a lot about economics, funding, but are we going to see a deeper shift in terms of ideas and approaches? Well, it's it's difficult to say, Sharmila. We're standing too close mm. to to the event to really see the bigger picture. But in terms of responses uh, of the artist, one can sense uh, tendencies. No? One tendency is, I think, uh, a reconsideration of the local, what what it means to be local. No? So I think the pandemic threw this into higher relief. No? 
we were quarantined, we were isolated, and we were forced, pressured to to explore our immediate environment. No? So, and I think that gave us a sense of, you know, the local in very intimate terms. No? And not only the local in terms of like the national or the regional or something that is defined by identity, but the local in terms of family, mm. of your house or your home, your community, you know? So I think that is one. But uh, we were also exposed to like a digital sphere. No? So, so on the one hand, you have that vernacular. Mm. On the other hand, you have the viral. No? <laughs> so I think this uh, interplay between the vernacular on the one hand and the viral on the other would produce interesting forms in the future. Another thing to say might be the, while this is an unprecedented condition or crisis, it also, on the other hand, demonstrates the uh, deeply rooted uh, inequalities in in society. So the pandemic uh, merely uh, heightened the things that have already been there. No? So while on the one hand it's unprecedented, on the other hand you have this uh, like uh, deeply rooted uh, asymmetries no? in, 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 in society. So I think the interplay between that, between emergency on the one hand and on the other age-old prejudice <laughs> mm-hmm. should also I think, uh, produce interesting forms in, in contemporary art. Now, just to wrap up, since we are sort of projecting into the future, um, one of the things you have coming up is that you're going to be curating the Taiwan Pavilion at the Venice Biennale in 2022. Um, mm. I have to admit, to me, 2022 feels way too far in the future for me to even conceive. Um, but I was wondering, um, you know, what what you have in mind, whether there are things that are happening now that are shaping the approach you might take. I was quite pleasantly surprised when the Taiwanese government approached me to, to do the Taiwan Pavilion. And for me, it's interesting. Taiwan for me is interesting. It is China. It is not China. No? Uh, and it is very close to the Philippines. In fact, uh, the Philippines is closer to, to Taiwan than to Southeast Asia. Mm, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, and I think that was one of the reasons why uh, the Taiwanese government wanted to reach out to a curator who is not from Taiwan, uh, but who might be able to connect Taiwan to a larger context. Uh, beyond, let us say, China or beyond East Asia. Uh, and that is not without foundation. Uh, Taiwan has always been part of this vast Austronesian uh, migration of people. And so there is ethnic uh, commonality, maybe even genetic. Mm. And one can also look at affinities in terms of language or ethnography, even the production of 
archaeological objects. No? So for me, that was interesting. And then the second point of interest was that Taiwan chose an artist because the procedure there is that they choose an artist and then they look for the curator. Ah, interesting. <laughs> so, okay. So it's different from, let us say, well, how we do it in the Philippines. And so the artist they chose, Saculio, is an indigenous artist. Mm. Uh, first time for an indigenous artist to represent Taiwan. That is also not a nation state, no? I mean, in, in global in global terms, yes, global terms, right? So uh, that and that complicates it a bit, which I find interesting. So so he comes from the south of Taiwan, which is even closer to the Philippines, mm-hmm. and that um, uh, he is not part of the you know conventional art world or doesn't really speak the language of contemporary art, international contemporary art, as we know it, although he is not totally isolated from it. But, yeah, I'm interested in, in curating the Taiwan Pavilion. It, it expands my practice uh, as a curator in the region, and I am able to speak to Taiwan as part of a broader conception of the Southeast, one doesn't have to confine the Southeast to Southeast Asia. It could, it could be a concept, the Southeast that is not the center twice, mm-hmm. not, not North, not West, the <laughs> Southeast. So uh, the, the Taiwan is part of that, is a coordinate of you know, other Southeasts in the world, like Southeast Europe or Southeast of the United States, or even the Caribbean, which is southeast of uh, North America. So, so this is one way to remap and the world, and also to rethink Southeast Asia as, as a region through the pavilion that is not recognized by Venice as a national pavilion mm-hmm. because it only recognizes China as the, as the Chinese nation and also through an indigenous artist. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Patrick. Um, one thing I've missed this year a lot is actually being able to see art from other parts of the world. And I feel a little bit like through our conversation, you've helped me with that. Yeah, and I'm sure when... All this is over. We, we we can explore a newer world. I yes, I do think so, and hopefully for the better as well. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Sharmila. I've been speaking with Patrick Flores, who is a curator as well as a professor of art studies at the University of the Philippines. He was also artistic director of last year's Singapore Biennale and has curated exhibits at, among others, the Venice Biennale, the Guangzhou Biennale. And um, he'll be sharing all of these experiences at the Gallery Weekend Kuala Lumpur. That's happening online this weekend, the 26th of November to the 6th of December. So there's a great lineup of other art personalities being featured as well. So for the full program um, and on details of how to register, uh, you can go to gw-kl.com. Registration for all of these events is free. If you've missed any part of this interview or any previous front row segments, you can download the podcasts on bfm.my on our BFM app or on Spotify. You've been listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.